HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Today's Mike and Judy show is brought to you by Roberta's. You like that one? Because Roberta's is pretty awesome, right? And Mike, there's Mike and there's Judy. At the, right? It's pretty good. What, what is Roberta's? Uh, we make food. Alright. What do you do? <laughs> Make radio. Barely. <laughs> Hello, Mr. and Mrs. America. From border to border, coast to coast, and all the ships at sea. Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show. Spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear fission. They're too bad for radio and too good-looking for television. And now, here they are, the Nichols and May of the Now Generation, your hosts, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire. Welcome back. Um, we're both completely distracted by the lobster roll on the table outside of Roberta's is making lobster roll now. I'm. We're going to have to change our whole deal. Call our this. corporate masters. I want an upgrade from the pizza. <laughs> I don't want pizza anymore. I want lobster roll with roasted finger and to think And to think last week you were fighting for pepperoni. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, the rules have changed. Well, oh, they're going to have to really step it up now that they have So that. we're back. It's the Mike and Judy show streaming live on the Heritage Radio Network here at Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick. Judy, before we go any further, I want to congratulate you on your new book, the official book of sex, drugs, and rock and roll lists. The first uh, advanced copy is in front of me. Oh, man. Oh, thank you, Mike. It's been a long time coming, let Hell me tell you. Oh, yes. Putting the sex and drugs back where they belong with the rock and roll, the most outrageous, unapologetically hedonistic book ever. Wow. That's, that's a lot to deliver. That's such good copy. God, I wish I'd written that myself. <laughs> well, as you know, it was... Killed by the first publisher for being irredeemably filthy, pulled off the presses <laughs> in the Midwest and the Christian Midwest, and we had to go out to um, hedonistic Oakland, where people 
they just have sex with anything, so nothing shocks them. Pretty, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, from from the, uh, the, the wilds of Wisconsin to the uh, free speech corridors of Berkeley exactly. to get this book done. Well, congratulations! It's fantastic. It's the official book of sex, drugs, and rock and roll lists by the woman who is too hot for television, Judy McGuire. Yes, that's right, and available now. I guess so it's even shipping from Amazon. Is it shipping already on Amazon? So uh, one click your way to happiness, man. There are so many drugs in here. We're gonna have to do a reading. We're gonna have to talk about this in yeah. great detail. But in first, the, in the future. But first, uh, this is what I like to call with our special guest today, Urbane Renewal. <laughs> after last <laughs> after last week's weed and wine special. That's Tell true. us who our guest is today, Judy. We're going to get highbrow with the New Yorker here. <laughs> oh so, Carolita, you have a lot to, lot to deliver here. This is Carolita Johnson. She's one of my favorite writers. I love her stuff so much on the hairpin. I'm a big fan, and I just took a chance and invited her to come be with us in Bushwick and she came all the way from Inwood <laughs> and she got here before you Mike Inwood yeah man it's like a different time zone it is I had to bring a passport <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm a fan too and I'm looking forward to talking about the New Yorker and cartoons and how they uh, get done and uh, I have a love-hate relationship with the New Yorker I gotta say I mean I want to love it and I've been really loyal to it it's the only magazine that I've subscribed to uh-huh. you know consistently for many years and then sometimes I just open it up and it's just a, it's a snooze not your cartoons and not and, and <laughs> And, and the cartoons are consistently good. I mean, the ones that I can understand. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's everybody's case. I think everybody has a sort of a love-hate relationship with The New Yorker, including the ones who really love it. You know, like, oh, yeah. I constantly run into people who are like, you know, I've got like this pile of New Yorkers uh-huh. waiting to be read. You know, and I guess they just bring them on vacation with them or something. And I mean, they love the New Yorker, but they just they don't read it. They sometimes. love the my, idea of the New Yorker. Yeah. Well, no, my, they want to feel smart by subscribing. Okay, no, no it's, <laughs> it's a commitment to read the New Yorker. What I did is I got it on my Kindle, so now mm-hmm. the, the stack is not taunting me. <laughs> I mean, I still read. I ha- okay, I haven't read it in like a month, but it's there on my Kindle. It's not on my you know coffee table. Well, my plan, my usual Monday evening routine is I watch professional wrestling. Uh, I order from Curry in a hurry, watch professional <laughs> wrestling, and then I try to read that week's New Yorker in one shot. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a lot. I, and I try, usually knock it out. I admit I don't uh, read the fiction every week. Uh-huh. Uh, it depends, but I do try to uh, bang it out. But sometimes, you know, honestly, there's, I'm just finding less and less that I really want to engage with. Really? Uh, in there, I'm finding um, it's getting very samey. Uh, it's just, it's, it's been humorless lately, honestly. Well, it's an The Shouts and Murmurs page hasn't been funny since like 1991. Oh. Come on, let's Never face mind. it. Oh, no, that's not. <laughs> I found a lot of funny things in the Shouts and Murmurs. <laughs> every, well, every week. Woody Allen and Steve Martin didn't write them, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're not going to slam her yeah, employer. Yeah, let's not slam everybody. <laughs> no, but, but, I, but then again, it shows up every week, and I look forward to it, and I open it up, you know, and I open it to the top. I've, you know, it's like an Oreo cookie. Everyone's got a different way of reading the New Yorker. Yeah. So I usually look at the uh, caption uh, contest first, right. which I stopped uh, entering a long time ago. When I, a, a similar caption as mine had won, I sort of, that's why yeah. I sort of gave it up. Yeah. You know, I just didn't get in there fast enough. <laughs> um, but I do I read the caption contest first and then I go to the front and I uh, read Talk of the Town and I just sort of see who's written the, the lead piece right because um, if it's uh, Henrik I read it right away right, right you know and then I see who does the movie reviews mm-hmm. okay because I like uh, Anthony Lane uh, generally he's, you know if he's not too snarky he can be very funny and smart uh, I like it and then David Denby's a little bit mm, whatever you know <laughs> uh, and then, then, then I sort of get into the guts of the magazine right maybe flip through and look at the cartoons you know the comics you know, right, as right. we go through and then you know, tear into uh, the future stories. Well, I have to see read what. all the cartoons first. Yeah. <laughs> I go straight to the page where you can see who's uh, in it mm-hmm. because we don't know until Mondays ourselves if we're going to be in the magazine unless they made a special request oh, wow. like you've got to do this cartoon like the finish like now because it's going in today. 
And uh, so, like, we all wait till Monday, and then we all check. Uh, and you all hang out, like, in the same room, all of you guys, either with, like, Gay Hand Wilson, like, who must be, like, what, 400 years old, and my good friend Peter Vey, who I used to buy pornography from. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, well, on Tuesdays, a lot of them go to the magazine, and they wait in this little cartoonist lounge to see... Uh, oh, wow. oh, my goodness. Yeah, which is in, inside the New Yorker, like, across from the, the cartoon editors. Cartoonist lounge? Yeah, it actually says cartoonist lounge. Yeah. Do they serve snacks and no, things? They don't. Cocktails. <laughs> do, like, do, do all the cartoonists yeah. actually look like the like the people in their cartoons? Like Peter Vey, PC Vey looks exactly like the guy that, that's yeah. sort of like his uh, running stock characters. Some of us do. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us do definitely. Like Gay and Wilson looks like his stuff, he, I think. You know, he's got all those lines in his face. He actually he actually shows up? Yeah, he does. I mean he's been at this a long time. Yeah, there's like an old uh troop of people who still go to the lunch. You know, there's like a lunch after. Um, there's there's been a so piece cool. written about that in the New York Times. Yeah. Uh, okay, so how do we get this job? <laughs> <laughs> you have to go through a lot of jobs first. Yeah, yeah. You have to be able to take a lot of rejection. Well, uh, what path did you take to get to the to the New Yorker? Uh, my path was really roundabout and almost accidental. Um, like I was, uh, I've been living in France, as you probably know from reading my stuff, um, for like 15 years. And when I came back, uh, I I thought well, I came back thinking, well, I've got to become an illustrator an illustrator and a writer and just on a just by chance i ran into this new yorker cartoonist um and i just you know i didn't have any sort of aims on him except to go uh <laughs> out with him <laughs> let's just say to see him naked <laughs> we met we met like i just uh, are you suggesting that there me. was some sort of impropriety involved no in no not at all no not at all because i was i just you know i i said to this guy who i'd met and um you know, I liked him a lot, and uh, so I wanted to see him again. So I kept calling him. Like and he, he was like sort of in a relationship with somebody at the time, so it just wasn't sort of working out. And then one day I was just like, you know, I want to see that guy again. I don't care. I want to see him. And so I just came up with the, uh, I want to show you some drawings. I want to show you my etching. <laughs> I, see my I literally <laughs> said, I want to show you some drawings. And um, keep it clean. This is a family show. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, he took me seriously. That's great. Like, which was totally, you know, not my goal. <laughs> so I sort of had to, you know, be a little more insistent on the on the rest of it. <laughs> but yeah, he actually took me seriously and uh, said, "Yeah, you know, you, you're drawing pretty well, and you know, just try some different materials." And because I hadn't really been drawing regularly for all those 15 years that I was gallivanting around Europe, so like they were terrible drawings. They were dreadful. But we should say, we should say. I mean, it wasn't like you were just flitting around Europe. You did graduate from Parsons. It I wasn't did. like you were just some dilettante who had sketches on the subway no. i mean you really you studied it you practiced yeah. it i, I mean, mean i've been drawing all my life yeah and i went to parsons like my parents made me go to parsons if you can believe it. i wanted to be an <laughs> what kind of hippies yes. are they? Yeah. we need you to learn something practical that will pay off <laughs> and, and guarantee a job well, so go to art school in greenwich village <laughs> compared to being an english major mm-hmm. that, uh, being an artist seemed like a better Actually, you know, yeah. more sure root somehow. They were is, like, actually. "You're not going to be one of those English majors," you know. <laughs> I don't, don't want to breathe any irony into this, but, but truthfully, you know, at least going to Parsons, you actually come out with a skill. <laughs> yeah, no, really, that's what they were thinking. So, but you know, when I graduated, I was like, I got nothing to say. You know, I'm like supposed to be an artist, and I'm like, I'm, you know, all I've done is do well in school and stay out of trouble. So it's more than most of. I got to go live, and so I. That was why I went to Europe, and. Uh, and I lived for 15 years. And then one day I was like, I think it's time to draw again. The f- one of the funniest things was like, you were a model. And then you <laughs> discovered it was the age of the ugly model, which as a non-model, like, I don't, I never really when was, saw when, that when, age. Yeah, when was that epic? I, I missed that golden Plus era. you're gorgeous. So I don't oh, know. thank you. No, I think it was like sort of 
simultaneous with the the emergence of the supermodel. It was like it was going to be either real people or it was going to be super amazing, you right. know, Curvy. Uh, like Claudia Schiffer right. and uh, Linda Evangelista. That whole group came out around the same time that the ugly model was almost on their way out. Was that like Kristen McManamy or whatever her name is with the no eyebrows? She might have sort of rode the wave of the ugly model like she was unusual. You know, so but she she became much more successful than the rest of us ugly models. <laughs> <laughs> Had I known, I could have ridden that wave as well. <laughs> I would be the star of the ugly models. So uh, speaking of uh, living living in Europe, I've always wanted to be abroad. Laugh track j- j- uh. joke, uh, but I, I, did, I, I did live in Spain as well for uh, years. Um, were you there as a tourist? Were you legit? How do you work that out? Because oh. I know a lot of people always ask me how do you get away with oh, that, was- and it was just you know completely off the grid, under the radar, totally. Totally. Uh, like for the first couple years, I, I had to leave the country every six months. Right. Whatever country I was in, that, because that, all the visas were for six months. That's right. Well, I'd go over across yeah. the border of France to get it. My, my yeah, I'd go to stamps. Amsterdam or I'd go to London. If I was in London, I'd go to France. If I was in France, I'd go to London. Yeah. Sounds very jet setty, doesn't it, McGuire? It really does. <laughs> <laughs> well, once I had to do it in a bus, it was really painful. It, was, it all depended on how much you just, you know, had in your pocket. So basically, we were illegal immigrants. Yeah, I was a total illegal immigrant. Yeah, absolutely. And what, actually, was the, what was the attitude towards like Spaniards or or the French against about illegal immigrants? As we're such assholes. To oh, people? like my stay in in Madrid was totally cut off because they couldn't pay me. Oh. Yeah, they were just yeah. like, we can't pay you. Like you're here, we, we know, we love you, but we can't pay you. you was that go the back. toy job, the toy yeah, designing yeah, job? Yeah, yeah. Wait, you designed toys? Well, I designed toys for this fashion designer who was setting up a boutique in Tokyo. How did I miss this in the bio? Like, so wait, you designed <laughs> toys for the fashion designer. Who had a it was stuffed in Tokyo? An, like sort of stuffed animals, mm-hmm. and it was just to decorate her boutique, mm-hmm. which okay. was a children's uh, children's wear boutique, very fancy, very beautiful stuff. And uh, you know, she was like, you could design these toys, and I did that. And I also did some handbags, like worked with a handbag designer. When, yeah. I, when I was there, I mean, it was always, we just got paid under the table. I was playing um, in what was at the time a popular punk rock band, but it was a cash business. Right, right. And uh, then I was also writing for American magazines at the same time. And between the two, I was, I was doing okay. I was keeping my head above water. I think my rent was only about $350. Wow. You know, which I, this really big flat in the center of Madrid, which I shared oh, amazing. with a couple guys. Um, and actually, back then, it was before the Euro and the Peseta. Yeah. If you remember how devalued the Peseta was, yeah. I mean, it went from maybe 100 Pesetas uh, to $1, pretty much one-to-one, yeah. to like as much as like 100 150 pesetas oh to a buck which was like free money right so there yeah. I was getting paid say from Hustler a thousand dollar check oh, wow. which on any given That's day amazing. might equal fifteen hundred dollars <laughs> right because if I just waited a few days before I cashed it it could it was like free rent oh yeah that was my career as a currency speculator it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it worked out okay I, I loved living abroad but I think um, at, at some point there were certain things that are part of my American DNA that I wasn't being fed mm-hmm. uh, that, that weren't being uh, you know that I need. That I, need. I mean, p- pizza, sushi, <laughs> White Castle, White Castle, and professional wrestling. What made you come back, Carolita? <laughs> uh, in the end, I mean, I, I came back because I just couldn't do the drawing and writing where I was. Like I, in France, I had this full time job. It was right. like the dream job. It was like the job that they'd fought to get me. Um, you know, it was the kind where that uh, on your contract that says undetermined time length contract. Oh, wow. Like where they would have to hire a lawyer to fire you, basically. <laughs> you know, it was like oh, the France. dream the dream job that they're actually still trying to fight to keep now because they're trying to get rid of those now in France. Uh-huh. And uh, and I had this job and it was great. I was working in software. I'd finally gone legit. You know, I, got, I had this like legit job with legit papers and everything. And then uh, and I thought, this is a really easy job. I'm going to be able to draw and write. 
you know, when I come home from work. Yeah. And I, I and it turned out like after two years that I didn't do it once. Yeah. And I was like, suck the you can't right? do it. Well, my inclination after working all day is not to come home and work. Yeah. You know, I read and write all day. When I get yeah. home, it's uh, TV time. Yeah. So I was like, well, I can't quit this job and stay here because I'll be yeah. totally illegal again. And, you know, after 15 years, I was just sick of that. You know, like you just never, you don't live somewhere on your terms. And I was like, I got to, I can go, I'll go, I'll go back to New York. And mm-hmm. this is like, it's New York or bust, you know, success or bust. I just got to start drawing and writing and it's going to have to happen in New York. And How long you, have you been back here? I've been back since August, 2002. Oh, wow. Great. Yeah. And if you can make it here. You can make it anywhere. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. It's the Mike and Judy Show with Carolina Johnson broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio at Roberto's. I'm going to investigate a lobster roll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to that <laughs> and we're back we're still salivating over the lobster roll oh, no, i know she's taking a really long time to I eat know. it she's she's yeah. a, she's a tease does she really want it because no. you know, I, I feel like i should just say you know, well, if you don't want that and what is this hipster schmata she's wearing yeah, she's well. wearing a sort of snood or something yeah, like a hood <laughs> a hood with a sleeveless t-shirt the kids in williamsburg and their outfits <laughs> williamsburg well, bushwick sorry williamsburg. where the bushwick hell are we jack cooler. we're in bushwick i don't bushwick, know right? yeah. <laughs> I thought I recognized oh, man, She looks like Joan of Arc. <laughs> Joan of Arc with a lobster roll. Maybe you can work with that. <laughs> An aviator sunglasses. So yesterday, was we sort of had our, our 80s Saturday yesterday. You, yeah. you and I, Judy, you were off to uh, pull muscles from Michelle. Oh, I love Speaking. that song. <laughs> I was, it was really, it was good. I, I had a big yard sale all day, and um, <clears throat> I was really tired from standing up and being social for like <laughs> nine hours. Just I really don't have the patience to be social. And I've been social the night before. <sighs> and so then we went to squeeze and I was like, this is what happens when you get old. Your feet hurt so bad. <laughs> it just like kills any enjoyment. I was just like, why couldn't this be at the Beacon or Radio City where there's seats? <laughs> like, I really value a seat when I go out now. I had kind of my spinal tap 80s. Uh, day yesterday, I went to see uh, my friends, the Bush Tetras. Mm. Uh, if you maybe you know, awesome, awesome band um, from the same era, more or less, right? Yeah. Where, where they got started with Too Many Creeps and all that. They were playing up at Barnard College, um, so it was back to school for me because I went to Columbia for about ten minutes. And it was funny because we got there, and it was just this big lawn, and the promoter, which is thing was an eighteen-year-old, you know, unshaven, you know, <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, kid who sort of I guess runs the radio station up there. He goes, "Well, you're going to set up on the main stage." And we looked over, it was just a patch of grass, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I think. 
we all sort of felt like, how many times we got to tell you, it's Push Tetris and Puppet Show. <laughs> it, was kind of, it was kind of like that. But the thing is, by the time the band started playing, uh, the kids really rallied around. Oh, you know, they, were all, they, they really, really came together. Did they rallied. play hacky sack, too? The kids? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like sort of up there. It's not. It's different than the rest of college land. Uh-huh. You know, Ivy League above 110th Street land. You know, everybody's there's sort of this era, era of uh, sort of faux bohemia. Yeah. You know, a, lot, yeah. A, lot, a lot more purple hair than I've seen in a while. <laughs> I was at NYU on Friday night for a dance performance. Oh, this really? dance is my life. And, and how's your, how's your <laughs> dance career going? <laughs> it was, my, my dance career has been at a standstill since the Whitney Biennial, um, <laughs> that that project ended but um yeah these kids are really good so yeah we both had like going back and experiencing watching <laughs> being around people that we could have given birth to <laughs> <laughs> which is horrible especially when you go like oh he's so cute then it's like oh yeah God. i know men have no such feelings when they see like a 19 year old hottie right <laughs> <laughs> Well, some do. Well, my, bro- yeah. my brother does. Like, he's does he? Not, yeah, yeah. I'm very proud of him. Yeah. Good man. Yeah. I was walking the razor's edge yesterday. Yeah, I'm that, sure you were. On that campus, you know? Man, yeah. So uh, let's um, talk about the New Yorker and the cartoons again, though. So we got that back in. Okay. What, what is... I, I cannot do this for the life of me. I can't do a good gag panel cartoon. I used to acquire cartoons uh, uh-huh. for a lot of porn magazines. Oh, really? Um, yes, and um, that's how I met uh, PC Vey. Um, uh-huh. He said who's now pretty re- regular in the, in the New Yorker, but the filth I used to, I used to buy oh, from back you, in the day. Do you want to know what my fa- my first cartoon that I really remember mm-hmm. in like in a magazine is? Because like, sure. I used to read Peanuts and all that stuff, but the first cartoon that I really remember that really hit me as funny and interesting and informative, um, my brothers found a stack of Hustlers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Hustler, right? They had cartoons? Oh, yeah. Well, Gayhan yeah. Wilson was in Hustler Okay, yeah, because you know, I'm not well-versed and, in porn. But um, I, mean, I guess he was in Playboy, of course, always, too. Yes, that I mean, too. Um, so we found this stack of hustlers and we were like looking at it behind the car, you know, like, and, and there was this little cartoon. It was like a sort of a, a spot, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, an electric plug, like an no, electric socket mm-hmm. with legs and eyelashes. <laughs> and it was, it was running away from, Judy an, thinks she knows from an electric plug on feet. <laughs> that was a guy, obviously. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this Ooh. is sex. <laughs> And it was funny, and it was apt, and it was informative, and, and, and I was like, "This is this is a really good cartoon." And that's that's hustler because usually the the light motifs right. uh, <laughs> of of their uh, sense of humor, their cartoons, the running gags are all white women live in fear of the black man's penis. Oh, really? Okay? And, and, and a black man's lips will become adhered to any smooth service oh at, at all times. That's basically the tropes and memes of hustler humor. Uh, still, absolutely. Oh, oh my gosh! God. Oh God! Well, well, you live a very sheltered life, McGuire, I author, do. I don't author of the new official book of sex, drugs, and rock and roll lists. <laughs> I do. I do. I still get shocked by things. You get shocked by things, and yet you were upset when your editor insisted you take out the fist fucking list. <laughs> I was upset by Jizzly, who is like a fabulous porn star. She was generous enough to contribute, and both editors, churchy editors, and uh, churchy publishers, not editors, and. Uh, churchy editor in Berkeley were like no we can't have fisting in there so so tell me about the first <laughs> it's so hard to believe time. there are still Puritans in this right? business <laughs> Do, well, how excited were you the first time your cartoon showed up in the New Yorker did you like I would have had a party um yeah I was I was pretty excited 
<laughs> hey, I'm excited when the damn thing shows up in the mail. <laughs> I know. You know what? You know what the funny thing was was that I had worked with the New Yorker when I worked for a photographer. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I would manage his, uh, I would do his production, and right. he would work for the New Yorker, and then I like have to work with these people at the New Yorker, and then I'd have to like demand that they pay us. Oh yeah, right. So like by that time, the New Yorker wasn't this like <laughs> hallowed thing to me. The New Yorker was just like this pain in the ass that I had right. to deal with. <laughs> so it was. I, I, you know, maybe I just sort of almost felt like, well, you know, damn right, you know, my cartoons in there. It's about time I got some satisfaction from all those jobs. And I pay did. me now, motherfucker. So, oh, they always pay you first. Okay, they pay you for your cartoon, whether it runs or not. Oh, that's great. That's, that's a very good thing about them. Wow, yeah. I like that gig. Yeah. Note to Heritage Radio. Right. <laughs> so, do you deal with uh, uh, David at the top all times? There's a cartoon editor there as well, but oh, I understand no, he's pretty hands on. Yeah, um, we don't deal with David at the top for mm-hmm. that. I mean, I've seen him. I've run into him and, you know, said hello, and he's a very nice man. But we don't, you know, we wouldn't dare. You know, I've heard he's pretty hands-on. Francois, hands on that Francois he likes... Moulet still the cartoon editor? Who? Francoise Mouly, uh, she's the covers editor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bob Mankoff is the cartoon editor. Okay. And, you know, he's been the editor since I began. And how hands-on is he? Does he help you rewrite captions? Does he suggest, uh, you know, some details, some, you know, me, no. punch up this joke? <laughs> no, he'll just, like, he'll he'll just, you know, out now and then he'll be like, yeah, you know, your cartoons, what, what was the thing he said to me last time? They're kind of a little too obvious, you know? <laughs> yeah, we don't, want, we don't want people to get this shit, right. Carly. No, no, it wasn't that. It was just like, there was just, like, something too direct about it, he said. So I was like, okay, fine, you know, that might be the result of me doing a different kind of comic because I've been doing my own personal webcomic. So I was like, I can take that. But, you know, then he'll like, he, I remember at one point he would say stuff like, you're drawing too well. <laughs> you know, this shouldn't compliment. be about your drawing or, you know, like then it was like, you're not drawing well enough. And when I first uh, sold the cartoon, they, they, he said, oh, you know, it was just in black and white. And he's like, we need wash. So that was pretty much the extent of his input it was like, you know, add gray, some, add some grays and. You know, every now and then, he'd say contradictory things. I think he just felt like he had to say something, just jog you right. a little bit. Well, um, yeah. so how does this compare to writing, I, I mean, essays for the hairpin, which I love? The writing or the hairpin is a lot more hands-on. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I'm, I'm quite used to, like, in at the New Yorker, we just send, like, our either drop off or send our cartoons in on a Tuesday, and then we wait till Thursday to hear back. Which is kind of like having the worst, wow. the worst boyfriend in the world that who says like on Tuesday, <laughs> "Hey, maybe we'll go out on Thursday. I'll call you." And then like you don't know that you're not going out. But the till, turnaround till eleven o'clock when you don't get that call. The turnaround is that quick. You, you, new work, fresh work on a Tuesday, yeah. and it's always fresh work. They don't have a large. No, it's uh, not always fresh work. A lot of us hand in what we call resubs. Mm-hmm. If you've waited long enough. You know, you might try it again. Basically. With a new caption, maybe? Sometimes with a new caption, sometimes without. Like, I remember I sold one cartoon, like, just erased the caption and sent it in the very next week, and it sold. So, <laughs> well, here's just, I just changed the caption, like, slightly, and it sold. Well, I've got an idea for you. I want you to bring this to the Brain Trust at, okay. the, at the New Yorker. I'd like to see one issue that's got the same cartoon repeated all throughout the magazine, but with a different <laughs> caption on each one. That's an idea. I like that. I like or that. vice versa. And okay. they should all be Carolita cartoons. So <laughs> sure. She gets like sure. paid 50 or, times. or the same caption with a different picture. Okay? And here's your caption, okay? And you out in Radio Land, you can play this game too. The caption's going to be there's something you don't see every day. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's the kind uh, my my boyfriend, Michael Crawford, who is a cartoonist there too, that's the kind of thing he likes to take and just come up with a crazy drawing. Like his favorite, the one he's still working on, I think, is uh, what is it? 
this is the thanks I get. <laughs> he, he is, he's still working on that. Like for the last ten years, he's, that, he's waiting for the one to like really that, that's hit awesome. him that way. Yeah. What is it like being in a relationship with another cartoonist? Do you guys get competitive? Like, no. oh, sorry, mine's in this week. <laughs> okay, here, here we go. Mine. No, I th- I think he worries that about that. Like sometimes when he sells and I don't, uh-huh. I'll be like, so did you sell a cartoon? And he'll go. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is adorable. That's really cute. I'd be doing the happy dance. Yeah, I, guess, I, I did. <laughs> You're very competitive, aren't you? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not competitive at all. I mean, he sells another he sells a cartoon, I'm like, "Great. You owe me a steak." <laughs> deal, like whoever sells has to buy the other person a steak. That's great. Yeah. So you probably get a steak every week. I got I got a lot of steaks. You sell <laughs> a lot. You both get a lot. I, mean. I don't sell as often as he does. I really don't. Um, but but I'm cool with that. You know, that's fine with me. See, that's a positive, healthy attitude. That is a really positive, yeah, healthy I'm, attitude. Not, not like that monster that came out at the Whitney when you were. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was a professional dancer, I did go a little black. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was tough. One day you're dancing for David Bowie, and then it's back on the pole. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> In Jersey, in like in like a bus, you know, you yeah, know. like like in the wrestler, like Marissa yeah. Tomei. Let me tell you something: if strippers in Rawway, New Jersey, look like Marissa Tomei, yeah, I'd be moving to Rawway, New Jersey. No, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, they really don't. But as a documentary of New Jersey, <laughs> otherwise the wrestler was pretty good. It was really good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Edith uh, Edith Zimmerman at the Hairpin. She's a really good editor, and like she'll go. We'll we'll send back and forth like versions of the same piece about. You know, between two to ten times. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, it seems like you're really um, going to be able to work a memoir out of those pieces because they're, they're really great. I mean, if you Thank haven't you. read them, go to the Hairpin and look up Carolita Johnson because they're, they're just so engaging and they're interesting. And, like, even you would think, like, reading about, uh, like, a model's travails, which you don't really talk <laughs> about very much. You think, like, oh, God, oh, boo-hoo. But it's really, it's really relatable and, and well-written and very... I just am such a fan. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Um, I'm really glad that that you that you like. Right. We're not jaded here at the Mike and Judy Show. No. Not at all. <laughs> no, we love our guests. This is a show that we, with, with one notable exception, we love all. Oh really? <laughs> we, we, we 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 get people on the show that that we love and and, and who we want to uh, share with our vast listening audience. Yeah, we don't we don't invite people on and then go like, oh, well, this is what we hate about you. <laughs> yeah, but every once in a while, while the tables get turned and somebody you oh, thought really? was going to be hip and entertaining and together turns out to be not so much. Hey, before we go, though, I was uh, enjoying on your blog. You've broken the food barrier, right? You're doing recipe uh, uh, comics now. We didn't do something for Sevora, which is a whole... Oh, I did one yeah. Which I think is cool. That's all New Frontier, right? I know, it was. I was really surprised she asked me to do one, and I was like, ooh, what am I going to do? Because, uh, you know, I, I like reading you know, the food magazines and whatnot, and there aren't enough cartoons. I wish there were more, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. Food, food gags and these things. So I think you think you're onto something there. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so tell, tell us everywhere where people can find you, because we're almost out of time. Um, um, you can find me at the Hairpin, like like you said, if you just uh, do a search on Carolita Johnson, and you can find me at my website. If you just do carolita.org, it'll it'll redirect you to wherever, <laughs> to wherever whatever I'm working are. on right now. <laughs> and I have a webcomic called Oscarina, and that's at oscarinaland.com. That's great. Thank you so much for being part of this. Well, thank you for inviting me. You know, I look forward to reading you in the future. And one more time, Judy, what's the name of your book? Yes. I always screw it up. <laughs> I've Here, said I'll hold this it up like for 10 you. different Here. times. The official book of sex, drugs, and rock and roll list. Available apparently now. I can't Ooh. wait. We're going to do a whole show dedicated to that book soon, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. It's the Mike and Judy Show with Carolina Johnson here at Roberta's. See you guys next week. Bye. It's French music. <laughs> oh,
Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.